tonight on Whiskey Waffle, Ted channels Louis Armstrong. I see waves of form, peaks and troughs. Nick channels Tarzan. Oh! And Ted isn't happy with either effort. Just cut the last bit out. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. And the sound check is... Hang on, let's check. Check one, two. Check one, two. Yeah, we're good. Welcome to another episode of Whiskey Waffle. Um, Ted and I have been having a great time waffling at you guys throughout a bunch of episodes so far. What is this? Episode number six? Yeah, something like that. Gosh, gosh, we're getting... We're getting up into the, the high under 10s. I know, right? It only feels like the second one, and, and here we are. <laughs> but but we do live in Australia, so whiskey ages faster down here in small barrels. And so a, six, uh, a six-year-old podcast, well, not six-year-old, uh, six-episode-old podcast is still well-matured. I like it a lot. I like it a real lot. Anyway, welcome along, everyone. Uh, my name is Nick. My name is Ted. We are two Tasmanian whiskey fanatics. But in a good way. <laughs> um, and we just, yeah, we just like rambling on about whiskey. So we might just do that. The Waffle. Tonight on The Waffle, we talk about the motherland. The motherland. The original home of whiskey or, well, well sorry, is Irish it? people. Yeah. Because Scotland have whiskey regions. They do. Now, these aren't official regions for any sort of particular purposes, like you don't vote in them or you don't... uh, There's not a mayor of Speyside. Yeah. But Scotland is split in terms of whiskey drinking into some broad uh, regions. Into five different... Five? Five or six, is it? Ah, we're forgetting Campbelltown. Mm. Well, let's come to that later, but let's talk about the main ones. And the first one that I mentioned before is Speyside. Now, Speyside is located sort of around the River Spey, which runs in sort of the north... side of it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the northeast area of Scotland. The thing about Speyside is it contains pretty much 50% of the distilleries in Scotland in this one smallish region. It's such a a productive area because that's where all the, the barley is grown. That's probably where the best weather sort of is. Um, and it's sort of still very accessible to the rest of the country via the, the rail networks. It's always been the heart of whiskey production. And most of the, well, a lot of the really famous distilleries are from Speyside. Glenfiddich? Yeah, Glenlivet. Um, McKellen, Arbaloa. Benriac. Glen Murray. Glen Roths. There is, there is a bit of a sort of a, a fine line between what is Highlands and what is... Speyside, which, yeah, neatly brings us to our next region, the Highlands. The Highlands. Um, the Highlands is the largest whiskey region of Scotland. It does actually cover a fair amount of the country, to and be honest. logically, it's also the most diverse because there's the whole north of the country and then there's the sort of the western coast as well. Yep. And also the sort of the centrally bit as well. Mm, I know, there's lots of it. And so therefore the flavours where whereas in Speyside they get traditional, elegant, smoother, honeyed, vanilla-y, caramelly drops. In the Highlands, you're going to get notes of... It's where you start hinting at smoke, but you also get that coastal notes. Yep. 
Bit of uh, spice. Heather. Yeah, whatever Heather actually tastes like. Yeah. Yeah, so the Highlands is a is is another whiskey region and there's so much variation there. Yeah. And so we've got ones like Old Pultney. Mm. So a coastal, northern coastal one. We've also got ones right in the centre like Dalwini. What else do we have in the Highlands? Well, um, I mean we've got the sort of the west coast drams like your Obens, yeah. even your, your Ben Nevises and whatnot. But you've also got like some of the other ones up north, like your Glamorangi and your Dalmores. Mm. So if there's a Highlands, logically, there's also a Lowlands. There is. And the Lowlands, it's it's a fairly large area, but it's it's one of the smallest producing regions. Yeah, it's a bit unloved, the Lowlands. I mean, down south, there is the big cities, the Glasgow, Edinburgh. And there are a few distilleries nearby these places, but yeah, there's not many. Really, it's mostly Ockentoshan. Ockentoshan and the Champions. Um, Glen Kinchy, yeah. um, just outside of Edinburgh. Down south, there's your Bladnock. They've started up again. Yeah. There are not many, though. Yeah. And they're all a bit... Well, this is where the lighter whiskies, anyway, come from. See, while Speyside is light, they have... Well, they have a depth of character. Yeah, they have a depth of the character, whereas Lowlands is a bit city. Yeah, yeah. They, um, I, I don't know. Maybe we're being unfair. Yeah. There's just not enough different distilleries for us to, to give it any other label. Okay, so now we're going to head off the mainland and visit some islands. Many islands. In fact, the west coast of Scotland has hundreds of islands. Yep. The west coast and heading around the north a little bit as well. Um, A bunch of islands for a whiskey region known as the islands. (laughs) It it makes sense. It does. It's a logical name. Within the islands, there is certainly a scattering of distilleries. So, for example, up in the very far north on the Orkneys, you've got Highland Park and Scapa. As we talked about, such contrasting whiskies. Then coming around to Sky, you've got Talisker. Yep. Then down to um, Mull, you've got Tobermory. There's even one on the Isle of Lewis and Harris, which I I can't even pronounce. Ardberg Dingalum. Complicated garlic stuff. Then down south, more more southeast, you've got Aran. Mm, and uh, Jura, which is right next to another island. But this other island is so abundant in distilleries that it gets its own region. And that is the magical Isle of Isla. Yeah, we've talked about our love for Isla and the eight distilleries on the island um, because this is the home of peated whiskey. Oh, it is phenomenal. You can get mainland peated whiskies, but there's a coastal coastal flavour to the peat that comes with it. Is It's unlike anything else. And we've well, talked about Lagavulin. I think, I think part of we've it is... Lafroig. I think part of it is the... all sort of the elemental stuff coming in from the ocean mm. that sort of delivers these particularly sort of strong, punchy flavours to the to the Isle of Peat. That burst off the Atlantic, that salty punch that comes with it, it's... Wow, it's a bit special. So there are the five regions we mentioned. Should we mention Campbelltown as well? We should mention Campbelltown. So Campbelltown's this sort of sticky outy bit. At the yeah, slightly phallic peninsula. Yeah, southwest. I say slightly, very. Southwest region of Scotland. Um, Campbelltown, was once, on Campbelltown was once actually a major powerhouse in the uh, Scottish distilling scene. It was, it's, it's a port. It was a thriving port. And therefore, there was a lot of thriving distilleries. But then, over the years, when the as as sort of the seagoing industries died down, so did the distilleries, and now there is only three. Well, there's only a couple that are that are operating, but Springbank have a couple of different distilleries operating within their one grounds: Springbank, Longrow, and Hazelburn. All worth checking out. My tasting note for Campbelltown is fishy. 
fishing. Maybe that's a power of suggestion, but I get fishiness, yeah. oiliness. And he doesn't he doesn't mean like stinking fish. He means sort of yeah, like a fresh oceany flavour. You haven't had some of the uh, long row red expressions. Well, <laughs> yeah. Nah, I like the long row red expressions, but they're a bit weird. Yeah. So Campbelltown is a sort of region, but Speyside, Highlands, Lowlands, Islands, Isla. For me, that's the big five, and. Everyone should definitely try some whiskies from each of those five regions, just to see which they like the best. And Get me some Speyside goodness. Give me some Isla Pete magic. Get me some Highlands whatever, because they're all quite different. Okay, Nick, we are going to move on and drink some whiskey. Does that sound like a good idea to you? Well, I was kind of thinking that we should do a segment called The Whiskey. The Whiskey! You see, the thing, the thing is... These two whiskies have something in common. We talked about the whiskey regions of Scotland before. Both of these whiskies are from, well, they're really close to the River Spey. So logically, they'd be in Speyside, right? Nope, they're both <laughs> in the Highlands. Yeah, they're both from the Highlands, apparently. Yeah, that's one of the funny things. Like, So you would never call Old Portney, for example, a Speyside whiskey, even though it's in the Highlands. It oh, is. It's in the same country, Ted. It's in the same country. Yeah, but it is very far to the north. Whereas for our next one... North. Our next whiskey... North. ...is kind of... Probably in Speyside, but then again, it's also in the Highlands. It's, yeah. The the bottle itself describes itself as a Highland whiskey, so therefore, we also say that it is a Highland whiskey. Indeed. And it's a fun one to say. Let's try and pronounce it phonetically. Ankinuk. 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 Ocock. no, no. No, wait, it's not called Ocock. Oh, wait, wait what According is it? to the note on the bottle... Excellent. ...it is actually pronounced Anok. 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 Yep. Why, is, why does it call itself Anok? Is that the name of the distillery? No, the name of the distillery is actually Nokdu Distillery. Oh, uh, of course, I can see where they get Anok from. Yeah, I think Anok means, like, at uh, the base of the hill or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what they all mean? The, the reason that they call themselves Anok is because there is another distillery called Nokendu. So, it's not to confuse Nokdu with Nokendu... It's it, Yeah, they are kind of easy to get mixed up. So, Anik is the name that they bottle it under, and they're doing quite well. Yeah, no, Anik is an excellent whiskey. We very much rate it. And to us, to us, we like to think of Anik as a summer whiskey, because it is light, and it is, it's light and bright, and makes you feel it's, it's, it's summer. Almost, I know that whiskey doesn't work like this, but it's almost refreshing drinking Anik. It is refreshing. Look, Anik is a perfect one. End of a long, hot day. Having a dram, sort of out on the balcony, in the nice warm weather. Sorry to those people who live in areas of the world that don't support such climatic conditions. Yeah. So this one in particular is the Anox 16. So the 12-year-old is sort of the base expression. Yeah, and, so and, and it's quite good still, the 12. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, good for what it is. But the 16 is a step up from mm. there. Um, so the 16 is... Uh, matured in bourbon casks. That means that it's quite a light, easygoing drink. It's not so much fruity. It's perhaps... I don't know. I would definitely say that there is apple in there. Okay. So, nice... so not not like red fruits, but yeah. golden delicious apple. And lemon sort mm-hmm. of vibes going on there. Yeah, yeah. It's got that zingy sort of lemon flavor to it as well. You see, the interesting thing for me is if I was to try it off the bat, I would think that this tastes like a Speyside whiskey. Mm. And I know that I'm generalizing saying that, you know, what tastes like a certain region, but yeah, it's just got a certain Speyside elegance for me. I get a certain dustiness out of it. It's sort yeah, of it's a tasting note of choice, isn't dustiness? Yeah, dustiness. Tell is... me more about that. Well, dustiness is what I get out of Anox. It's like 
I don't know. It's 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 kind of this. It's more to do with mouth feel than flavor. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's, it's the way the the whiskey interacts with your palate, mm-hmm. and it's the way it feels on your palate. And so yeah, it's got a slight dustiness to it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that yeah, in a pleasant way. It's sort of like a light summer's breeze, just sort of kicking up a bit of dust. Yeah, because I wasn't sure initially, but when you say sort of that mouthfeel sort of thing, and just have that sort of, like you go a little bit just after trying it. Just sort of, um, silence the lamb sort of way. Um, no, yeah. it's it's got, yeah. A dryness to the palate? Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, and it's got a nice sort of uh, chewiness at the end. It the, the the finish is quite long and it sort of yeah it's it's juicy it's like it's like I suppose it's that lemoniness mm-hmm. it makes your palate sort of go yeah yeah true lemoniness is a really good tasting note for a couple of reasons one it's fun to say lemoniness um but it it is it's got it's there's still a sort of tart uh, bitterness about a it stringency especially on the back of the, like on the finish the twelve is great it's yeah it's fresh and funky and does the job but the 16 just introduces a whole new layer of character into there that layers layers of character yeah and definitely worth a taste okay next so we've just finished with the anarch how about we have another let's move. travel about you know yeah. 20 kilometers up the road to another part of highlands which is you know closer to the river spay than glenlivet is yeah i'm a bit excited ted look i'm excited too this is one of my favorite distilleries not just in Speyside, well, not in Speyside, not just in mainland Scotland, but just anywhere. Probably you could say that sort of going between these, it's sort of from the sublime to the ridiculous. It's yeah. Speaking of ridiculous, I can't pour a small dram either, Ted. Have half of mine. Okay, thank you. Even though, as Nick said, they're sort of very close to each other, the difference in flavour and style of them is huge. And there's one massive reason for that. Barrels. Big barrels. Big fruity barrels. Big, Well, big fruity barrels from Spain. Yeah. Because these barrels once upon a time housed sherry. Now, what sort of sherry is this one? Is this, this is a Pedro Jimenez. Pedro Jimenez? Pedro Jimenez. Oh, you mean Pedro Jimenez. Yes, Pedro Jimenez. Um, or Pedro X Jimenez. PX for short. Yeah, let's go with PX. PX is a sweeter dessert style sherry it's just thick and viscous and gooey and mm, yeah it's it's sweet and nice we are drinking glendronic 12 year old oh and it is a good one the glendronic um, is a great example of a sherry whiskey if someone has not drank whiskey before and you know it's drunk a few bourbon casks and they want to find out a bit of a you know variation this is the first sherry whiskey i'd go to do you think this is quite sweet especially on the palate it's quite quite syrupy like yeah, it's like a... It's almost chewy. That's how viscous that mouthfeel is. Yeah. While the Anarch was quite sort of uh, lemony and astringent and sort of pithy, mm. light and bright, the Glendronic is deep and rich and chewy and it's like... It's it's, it's fat. It, look, it's like... Way. What it's like is... It's like chewing on the seat of a classic car. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like... Leather and tobacco and class and... Mm. Yeah, it's got a lot of that. I mean, the the flavours we associate with sherry, which we probably should mention, is that whole raisins, dried fruit, Christmas pudding, and all of these are presents. But it's quite sweet, this one. Like, you know, it's it's, it's a healthy dose of, of, of custard thrown in on top. It's it's a perfect example of sherried whiskey. If you were to divide, if you do a straight line down the middle of Scottish whiskey, the Glendronic would fall into one camp, the Annex 16 into the other. Sherried bourbon. That's 
probably the biggest distinction I can make. If you were to pick one of these two, Ted, is there a side of the fence that you sit on? Depends on the day, really. Mm-hmm, yeah. Look, okay. The Anarch would be great, sort of, as I said before, on a summer evening. Um, nice, light sipping whiskey. Yep. The Glendronic is perfect for middle of winter, sitting yep. in front of a fire. Yeah, sipping something rich and warming. Mm, that's a tough decision. I mean, listeners, what, what, like, if you were to jump on one of those two sides of the fence, do you have a, a clear preference? Or, like Ted, are you a fence sitter? <sighs> it's tough. I think, I think if I, if I was pressed, I'd, I'd go down the sherry route, Glendronic, in this case, but, you know, if, if it was a Dalmore or if it was a McKellen, I, I don't know. Which maybe perhaps that bit more exciting, but <sighs> there's something to love in both. Whiskey. Would you rather? Ted, do your worst. Okay. Nick, mm. would you rather have several big glasses of okay whiskey or one tiny glass of amazing whiskey? Ah, yes, this is the point, isn't it? Because um, there's something to be said for many glasses of, of, of okay whiskey. And but- let me just point out that this tiny glass is like really amazing whiskey is like yeah. phenomenal but it was also a very tiny glass yeah this is this is true because there could be a point to be argued that you know you know lots of okay whiskey to counter this tiny tiny amount of really amazing whiskey um this is the thing i would love a small glass of amazing whiskey after a bunch of glasses of no, okay, whiskey. Ah, but you don't get to <laughs> have that. You only get to choose don't one make or the me other. Choose that. Don't make me choose that. Um, this this whiskey. This answer would change from day to day, from day to day. On a Friday afternoon, when I got home from work, I really want a lot of okay whiskey. Whereas on a I don't know on an evening where I'm feeling particularly discerning, then I want a small amount of really amazing whiskey. Having said that, if I could only choose one or the other, which is the point of this game? <sighs> At this stage of my life, I'm making an admission to taste lots of amazing whiskey. So I've, I've just got to choose a small amount of amazing whiskey. And then I'll go and splash the cash in a bunch of OK stuff. From the Spirit Sack. So it's time to answer some of your questions. That's right. You. Yes, you. You have asked some questions. Well, not you exactly, but we have been asked some questions. And we are going to try and answer them. And the question comes from our good correspondent dt david taylor on Dave twitter taylor what a legend now dt has asked us he, he's talking about whiskies from random countries so i'm going to slightly rephrase this one and, and i'm going to ask what is the most random country that you have tried a whiskey from i'm going to go first with this one if that's right dt do you mind okay cool i'll go for it what about me do i mind do you mind ted no it's all right you go okay cool i'm going to go first and uh, I, i've tried whiskey from pretty much all the standard countries, which is a bit of boring when it comes to answering this question. The most random country that I've tried. I think the most random country I've tried still is Australia. Yeah? Yep. From a world whiskey perspective, like who'd have thought that this amazing stuff would be made in Kununurra, in Albury, Western Australia, in Hobart, seriously. Like that's pretty random. So I've tasted whiskey from, from India. I've tasted whiskey from Western Europe. I've tasted whiskey from various parts of America, but in terms of random countries, there's not that many. So I'm going to have to hand it to you, Ted. Okay. So 
while his random country may have been Australia, which isn't potentially that random, my country definitely is very random. Very. Most, so, and I suppose it's it's partly because of the place that I was drinking it too. So, I was in Dublin. Hmm. I was in I was in Dublin in a bar. Ah, so Irish whiskey. No, well, I was in Dublin in a bar having a drink with Whiskey Nut, and I almost didn't get to drink this whiskey because the barman almost refused to serve it to me <laughs> because he didn't like it that much. Right. Yeah. And there was, yeah, there was sort of a bit of touring and froing between me and him about this because I was like, well, I want to try this. And he was like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to serve this to you. I don't, it's like, it's awful. I'm just not going to do it. I was like, no, no, come on, give it to me. That's what she said. And so eventually I won him around and I tried this whiskey and it was awful. But <laughs> the, the, the thing was, it was so awful that it was actually like out the other side and sort of like into anti-awful. And yeah, it was, it was like so bad that it was good. So bad that it was good. Ah, yes. So the whiskey, believe it or not, was Hungarian. Hungarian. Hungarian whiskey. It was called the uh, Bikizi, I think, is the closest I can get to pronounce it. Mm. And, yeah, it was it was interesting. <laughs> it was a bit communist, I suppose. <laughs> it's sort of, I don't know. I think I described the, uh, the, the aftertaste as lingering like the fallout of Chernobyl. <laughs> and it had, a, it had sort of a, a taste, or maybe it was a smell of, like, old school corridors. Yeah, it was just, it was really weird. <laughs> it was one of the weirdest whiskies that I've ever tried. And yeah, it was, as I said, it was so bad that I, I kind of actually felt a certain fondness for it <laughs> because it really sort of challenged me and piqued my interest. So yeah, that, that's, that's probably the weirdest whiskey I've ever tried. I suppose, do you want me to talk about the other... What's the next most weirdest? Well, the next most weirdest one that I've tried was a peated whiskey, except the peating was not your normal dug-from-the-earth sort of peating. No? Where no. Did this, where, what were they burning then, if not peat? Well, instead of peat, they were um, actually burning sheep shit. <laughs> right, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. That old chestnut. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. Sheep nuggets. Um, <laughs> so, probably the second weirdest whiskey I've tried is... Well, it's Icelandic. It comes it comes from Iceland. Flirky. Yeah, and it's flirky. Or floki or flocky. We're not still sure. Please please ring in if you're Icelandic and you know. It's called the uh, Floki Young Malt Sheep Smoked... Sheep, sheep, sheep Dung... Dung Smoked. Sheep Dung Smoked Edition. And it is awful. Yeah, it's not great, is it? It is... I... Actually, still struggle to drink it. Oh, and the thing is, I really, really, really want to like it. <laughs> like, so the the Deep original the bones, the original Floki Young Malt was not that was not that bad. Like, it wasn't great, but it was just it was promising though. It was promising. So the original Floki Young Malt was I don't know, sitting in probably about one and a bit years, nearly two years. It just needed more time in the cask. The Floki. Well, the floky sheep shit, as we like to call it, it's just got this really strong metallic flavour to it, and it makes it so hard to drink. Yeah. And I, d- I don't know whether it's just that it needs a lot more time in the cask to <laughs> iron out some of those really sort of sharp, brutal edges, or if it's just... just less sheep dung. If it's just shit. <laughs> 
But yeah, I look. I I really want to try another one in a few years' time. And I'm sorry, Flaky, but I, as I said, I so want to like it. <laughs> it just it hurts to drink. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. And to be fair, I have tried that one. It's maybe not whiskey officially yet. I have tried a few Scandinavian ones. The Mac Mira. We've got Block. Sweden. Yeah, Sweden. Uh, Tyr and Pili from Finland. Yeah, so I've tried a few of them. So there's some random countries. So at least I've done something Box, that's a little bit random. Box is another Swedish one, I think. Yep. So that's that's about as random as I come. But Ted, hungry, wins the lot. Yeah. And Dave Taylor, seeing as you asked the question, if you would like to share some of the Israeli whiskey that you recently mm. got your hands on with us, we would be fascinated to try it. Love to try some. And you listeners at home, let us know what's the most random country that you have tried a whiskey from. Get in touch with us on Twitter, on Facebook, or um, yeah, just leave us a comment on the blog and say hi. Make sure um, if you, you know, if you'd like to support it, write a review on iTunes for us. We love that very much. And um, yeah, basically, keep listening in and there'll be some more podcasts to come. Thank you so much for listening to this one, though. It's been a pleasure to waffle to you. I've enjoyed myself. How about you, Ted? Oh, indeed. I've... Sorry, my I, I'm actually choking up over how much I've enjoyed myself. <laughs> uh, there, are, there are tears coming to my eyes. But yep. yeah, it's been a pleasure to talk to you folks. Uh, thanks I very much. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Talk to you guys next time. And until then, keep, keep on, on waffling. waffling. Good night. Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. I see waves of forms, peaks and troughs, recordings whiskey, going whiskey, on. Whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. Yeah, okay, it's working. <laughs>